Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Hey, let's pray. Father, we just come into your presence right now. We just uh, sang some, some very powerful songs that uh, really should just set us at your feet. And tonight, we don't want to uh, move from there right now. Tonight, we want to just be able to um, hear from you directly. We want to be able to fill you in uh, your presence in a way that we never have before. Lord, we just ask you to uh, void out all distractions. And Lord, let us just be able to uh, hear clearly. Let us learn specifically about relationships and uh, specifically about marriage um, and what that looks like to us. And let us just be guided by your word. Uh, let it just be a powerful night that we can uh, we can take away and we can walk with and use for the rest of our lives. Lord, be with us for these next uh, couple moments and uh, let your presence just be here. For it's your name. Amen. <clears throat> marriage. Woo! Who's excited to get married? Come on now. Hey, am I like glowing right now? Like, does this look good? Does this make me this look good? Come on now. Hey, my wife loves me because of my character, okay? Um, I think that a lot of us have a, an idea of what we want our marriage to look like. And, you know, I think we've, we've kind of dreamed about it. We've kind of wondered about it. Um, but it kind of, you know, marriage today, when I look at it as a whole... Uh, it reminds me of Six Flags. Huh? Where's he going with this? All right. Uh, Six Flags, uh, you know, middle school. Uh, we, For our youth group, we loaded up in a van and we went to Six Flags, right? Because that's what good, uh, good youth groups do. All right. So we all loaded in, my whole youth group, all 12 of us, right? Uh, and we went to Six Flags over Texas. Now, this is going to age me just a bit for some of you. Uh, but Mr. Freeze just came out, all right? Uh, yes, that's how it uh, ages me just a little bit. But uh, we were excited about Mr. Freeze. We heard about Mr. Freeze. It was like 0 to 60 in 2.5 seconds. It's going to blow your eyelids back, right? Like, oh, we heard all the cool stories. It's the best roller coaster ever, right? So middle schoolers were like, heck yeah, we're excited about it, okay? So we go, we run to the ticket booth, we get our tickets, and we jet to... Mr. Freeze. Now we're about the third or fourth group there, and we see everybody, and man, I mean, they're taking off, and they got all the steam blowing, and we're like, you know, 12-year-olds, we're like, yeah, let's do it, like adrenaline junkies, all right? Um, and we get on Mr. Freeze, and let me tell you, it, it was real, all right? Like, zero to 60, like two seconds, my eyelids, like, we're all the way back, and like, I mean, I was just hanging on, and Literally, it goes, and it goes, does a twirl, and then you go all the way up, and you can see all of Arlington, right? And then it goes down, and it comes back down, and we're all like, yeah! And so, it lasts like, what, 20 seconds? It's like the shortest roller coaster ever, but no lie, I'm not even joking. We rode it about 12 times in a row. Like, we just, we get off, we run back around, we wait in line, run back around, it was just like, yeah, it's so awesome, right? And then about the 12th time, all of us started kind of getting a little sick, all right? And we're like, we got to take a break. It's about lunchtime at this time. So we go and we sit 
in the restaurant and we eat our $30 hot dog and our $20 Coke, right? Because the meals is what really where they make their money, right? The ticket might be $5 to get you in, but you're going to spend 100 on food. And so we're like, oh, man, you know, and uh, I remember my buddy Clayton. He's like, man, that was great. And but now what? Right. Like if this is the best of the best, like like so now what? Like now what do we do? Like we we hadn't thought that far. right? Like we're like we were so excited about Mr. Freeze. Like we didn't really like think about like, well, what's next? Like, is there any other great rides? Like all you had was like the Texas giant. Well, who wants to ride that? Like you break your back on it because it's wooden. Right. We're like, man. Students, I think that this is how marriage can be for many people. I've walked with many people through marriage is that we get excited about it. We, we talk about it. The, the world might even, might even like highlight a lot of things about it and this idea about it. And we decided that it's the right time for us to get married. And a lot of us, we like to highlight the wedding ceremony. Okay, ladies. Okay, right? Like third grade, you got it all planned out, right? You're excited about it, got what dress you want, got what flowers you want. You got like your, your wedding picture, like, like file on your computer. Like you're excited about it, right? Guys, you're not so excited about the wedding ceremony. You're excited about after the wedding ceremony. Amen? All right, let's just be real here. Can we get real in college ministry? Is that all right? I said it. I went there. Yep, I went there. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> but what happens is you get so excited about the wedding ceremony and you have this beautiful wedding that costs twenty-five, thirty-five, a hundred thousand dollars. Yes, it does for some of y'all. Some of y'all like that's not expensive enough, right? But what happens is you have that wedding ceremony, you spend all the money, you have the great dresses, you have the great flowers, you have that 24 hours of the wedding ceremony, but then you realize that that won't sustain a lifetime of happiness. And fellas, right, sex is great, sex is, is fun, it can be exciting if it's under the biblical, you know, the, the biblical authority, alright, let's keep it in a parameter here. But guess what? You know, you get married and you spend the next couple weeks and yes, you're having sex under the biblical confines of what sex should look like. It's great. It's fun. But you still have 23 hours left in the day. All right. Like there's still a lot of time left in order. Some of you are like, <laughs> like, we're not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, come on. Hey. Let's get real. You want me to be honest with you though? This sex will not sustain a lifetime of happiness in a marriage. So, so many times I've seen people that get so excited about the wedding ceremony and it happens and we get other people who are excited about other things in marriage, right? And then, then they start doing life and those things start getting normal and then it's the Groundhog Day and so many times what I've seen so many people say is, so now what? Right? 
They're like, so now what? What is marriage supposed to look like? So now what are we supposed to do? And what I've seen so many times is people get, people get married, but they have no idea what the responsibilities are, what their requirements are, what their roles are, what their expectations are, and they have to backtrack. And what's sad is it happens either 5, 10, even 20 years. I have to, I've seen so many people actually have to go to counseling about their marriages, and every time they say, well, you have to go back to square one. And usually it's after a lot of heartbreak and loneliness and brokenness. And so tonight, I think like God just kind of laid on my heart like, how do we avoid the so what now? How do we avoid the so what now in our marriage? Like how do we, that's the we part of the you, me, and we, like how do we, how do we make sure that we avoid the so what now? Like can we look at marriage and see what, what some of the responsibilities are for, for women? And can we look at some of the responsibilities for men so we can have the best marriage that we possibly can? Can we look over that? You cool with that? Well, you're getting it anyway. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives. Everybody say wives. Submit. Everybody say Submit. You're welcome. To your own husbands as to the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands! Everybody say husbands. Love. Everybody say love. love. Your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might be present, so he might present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And everybody said, Amen. So, we're looking at Paul. A single man, right? Isn't it crazy how he starts this? Wives, you must submit, right? Now, just be honest with me. Like, can y'all just raise your hands if submission just, just kind of gives a little crinkle up your back? Come on now, all right? Be honest, okay? For those listening, there's a lot of girls that are holding their hands up right now. Um... I think that some of us might not like submission and the word submission because we don't know what it really is in the confines of marriage, right? Now, first, submission is not submission to all males, okay? It's not submission to every single male. It's a submission to just your husband, right? Cool fact is Paul is actually changing tradition uh, 
he's changing tradition when he's writing this role in for a wife because he's actually saying submission is not involuntary, it's actually voluntary. See, women in this day and age, according to Jewish tradition, they had no say, they had no power, they had no voice, and if the husband wanted to just leave his wife, he actually just had to write a letter to the church saying, she can, she's, I'm done with her, she can go marry who she wants to go marry, and he would release her, and they, he, they just controlled women. See, they traded wives like they traded anything Else And see, Paul was saying something different. He was saying, hey, wives, listen, you're no longer an object, but you are valuable. And there's a valuable part in a plan for God's marriage. And he's saying, let's break the chain of old tradition. And if you want to be in this marriage, you choose that you are going to submit to your Husband. See, Paul was saying, wives, don't view submission to your one and single husband as a disadvantage, but view it as an advantage that you actually have a voice now. See, it's up to you whether or not you want to submit to this one man for the rest of your life. See, submission to me, if I can be honest, is not a lesser role to me, it's a position. It's a position that was designed by God. It was, a it was a position designed for God. It's for God in the sense that marriage is not meant to highlight the love of two individuals for just love itself. It's meant for this. It's meant to highlight two children of God loving and living for God. So when we look at the roles that God has given us, one is not less than, one is not greater, but it's equal, but it's yet different. Wives' submission was designed for the glory of God just as much as the role that God has made for husbands. So how does this look like? like what, what does this look like in, in what he is trying to say? Like, Men, are we like happy that wives are supposed to submit to us, right? Like, actually, you should be proud of that. But you should also be very humbled by the fact that she is willing to submit to you. Here's why. Is that wives that submit to you the right way are actually daughters that submit to their heavenly father the right way. And how will a wife or a fiance or a girlfriend is submitting her life to the Lord now, it will actually forecast how well she will submit to her husband later. See, those who are willing to submit to God right now are those who are willing to submit their husband and his authority in their marriage later. Why should this be humbling for us men? This is why. She is trusting her reputation her image, her family, her decisions, her future on the fact that if she is going to submit and lay her life down before God and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna live and 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 just and fall down at the feet of Jesus every single day and I'm gonna glorify God with my role, I'm gonna expect that you're gonna lay down your life and you're gonna lead the, the this type of family that we want to lead together and you need to step up and honor your role. 
Now, if that doesn't put a little weight on your shoulders, um, I don't know many things that will. It is a responsibility for us men, and it's humbling in the fact that our wives are taking this role. So like when she comes up to you and she says like, hey, what are some of the things like we are leading? Like, what are you trying to point our family towards right now? All right. Like, that's a big responsibility. Or um, what if she says like, hey, like, what are some things that you're praying for? And like, what is God saying directly about our family and the vision? And maybe like where we're supposed to go or what church we're supposed to go to? Like, that's a little bit of weight on our shoulders as well. You know, a couple, this is probably about a month ago, we were driving to church, all right, I'm going to confess, okay, driving to church, got my two boys in the back, we're singing some Jesus music, and this person decided to drive the same speed limit as the other person next to them, which was five miles an hour under the speed limit, and of course we were running late because we are Russells, and I'm trying to get around this person, and they are literally, they don't care about anything in this world, God please forgive me for judging, I will judge you if you drive slow in front of me, alright, I'm sorry for this, and I'm losing my cool, alright, and I'm like, golly, I was going to move, right, and I'm like, this is Sunday morning, I'm like an inch from their back bumper, alright, and my wife, no lie, she looks over at me and she goes, what are you teaching our boys right now? <laughs> how well, and she said, how well, I mean, are you leading them right now? Like, you know, she says it like in a polite way, but I mean, she like gets down to the nitty gritty of it, right? How well are you leading your boys right now? See, there's a, le- there's, a, there's a level of responsibility that we are supposed to have. And ladies, you can, you can actually have a voice when it comes to submitting to them the right way. See, you're saying, I, I love you and I'm here for you and I'm trusting you and I'm submitting to you because of my relationship with Jesus, but you need to lead us in our relationship with Jesus. See, was Caroline being disrespectful? Was she, was she doing things wrong? I don't believe so. I think Caroline was being exactly who she needed to be. She was actually still submitting. She still loved my leadership and she still respected where I was at, but she was also making sure that I was being the person that I needed to be. See, ladies, submitting is not omitting your voice. It's not omitting your values, it's not omitting your beliefs, but it is being respectful. It is saying things the right way. It is saying things the way that you know your husband can hear them. It is saying, you know what, hey, what, where are we looking at here? What's, what's going on here? Like, hey, are we, you know, you're still trying to help your husband Lead, you are a great teammate. You're working together for a common role. You have important spots and important positions, and you're trying to glorify Jesus with your marriage. See, this is how your role is valuable. Why does it say in Proverbs that he who finds a wife finds a good thing? This is how. Your value is not in what you can do, not what you can say, not what you can look like. It's valued in how well you are submitting your life 
to Jesus. Just think about it. When you're walking with Jesus and you are hearing Jesus daily, ladies, and you are striving for Jesus and you are being like Jesus and you are loving like Jesus, I'm telling you right now that when a man can connect his life with a woman who loves Jesus, he's not going to look at you as an object. He's going to look at you like a prized possession. He's not going to look at you and say, you know what, you are of no value, but you are of great value to me. He's not going to try to silence you. He's going to try to build you up because he needs you more than you could ever imagine. All right, there's very few people that can level me. And my wife is probably the only one. All right, maybe my dad because my dad is a little scary. All right, but, but my wife can literally, she can make me feel as tall as the mountains or she can make me feel as low as the valleys. Women, when you are living the life that God is wanting you to live, you will be prized. You will not be silenced. When you can show them that you're not ruled by your emotion, but you're ruled by your salvation and sanctification in Jesus, how well you are submitting to Jesus, you will help your marriage more than you could ever imagine. Husbands who have wives that are strong in Jesus, they are stronger in Jesus. So ladies, just a little advice here. It's a lot easier for men to hear things that you have been talking with God about and have asked God for vision on and that God has been leading you through and for Him to be able to speak through you so you can communicate it to your husband rather than nagging and complaining, okay? Listen how, you got to learn how not to nag, all right? That's all I got to say. I got a lot of friends, my wife never nags, all right? But I got a lot of friends whose wife nags, right? I love you, Caroline. <clears throat> Some people view submitting like supporting, right? You help or you support your husband, and what you do is you see his weaknesses, which you will see his weaknesses, and you will help pray for him, and you will help encourage him, and you will help lift him up in front of your family, in front of your friends, in front of your kids, in front of the world, and where he needs your help, you will be there. Y'all will pray through struggles. Y'all will pray with each other. You will pray for each other. You will speak truth over each other because sometimes you do things that you don't want to do because you love your husband and you trust his relationship and his vision from God and you grow through that because marriage isn't about trusting your feelings. It's about submitting to God and submitting to your husband because it's for Jesus and it's by Jesus. Fellas, you want to know what is probably the third hardest thing about college ministry. The third, right? The third hardest thing. First, the hardest thing is um, when I'm walking with people for a couple years and uh, they just don't quite um, give their life to Jesus. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing about being a college minister is walking with someone and, and trying to tell them about Jesus. And they just, they graduate and like, I just don't get to hear from them again. That, that really breaks my heart. The second hardest thing about college ministry is the never-ending cycle of the, the turnover of college students, right? 
I walk with y'all for a couple years, and you graduate, and you go do your life, right? It's, it's hard. There's some of y'all in here right now that we've been doing ministry with for two, three years now. You're very close to us. You're very close to our kids, and it's hard because once we graduate, it doesn't matter if you move 30 minutes down the road. It's still a division, right? It's still hard for us. We don't see you and talk to you as much. But probably the hardest thing for me, or the third hardest thing for me is this, seeing college students with unfulfilled potential. When I'm walking with them, and I know that they have this spiritual potential that is probably more than my spiritual potential, and they just don't see it, and we walk through it, and they know that they have a certain call from God. It's either to start a Bible study, or it's to accept a call into ministry, or to accept a call into the mission field, or accept, man, some even some simple task even. And what we do is we, we've talked about it, I felt it, they felt it, and what happens so many times is I've seen either either fear or laziness takes over and they just don't allow themselves to fulfill that spiritual potential and it breaks me but there's another way that someone doesn't fulfill their potential and I think it might even be more powerful than that is when someone starts dating the wrong person and I've seen more people lose their potential because they have placed their life next to someone who is not walking with Jesus, not talking with Jesus, not growing with Jesus. And it's hard because anytime it's like an anchor that always holds you down. See, guys, if we're specifically just talking from guys to girls here, if you're dating a girl right now that doesn't submit everything in her life to Jesus now, It'll be like a bad second baseman. What? Yes, another twist here. It'll be like a second baseman that's not working on their skills. It's not practicing. They're not running. They're not batting practicing. They're not throwing. They're not catching. They will be a bad teammate. And instead of them helping you, they will actually pull you down. Now don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not trying to talk down about anybody. They might be a nice person. They might be a pretty person. They, they might be nice and sweet. But if she isn't submitting everything in her life to Jesus now and learning and walking and growing and loving in Jesus, then she can't help you get closer to Jesus. If she can't submit to Jesus, she can't submit and support you. The best way to have a difficult or a failing marriage is to date the wrong person. Because if you're going to date the wrong person, you're probably going to marry the wrong person. Best way to kill your potential that I've seen is to attach your life to someone who doesn't make time glorifying Jesus and all that she does and all that she says and all that she is. Side note here, fellas. If you are dating someone Here's a good test to see how you truly feel about her. Because I think that sometimes we can be blinded about how we really feel about someone. Do you feel that she is someone that you respect so much in her spiritual maturity that you go, speak, that you go seek spiritual advice from her? 
So many times I've seen people, they're like, well, I love her. She's great. Yeah, she's a Christian. But like, do you trust her enough? Do you see spiritual growth enough that you go and ask spiritual things with her? Like, do you talk about your walks with Jesus? Do you talk about what Jesus has been teaching you and how, how he's growing you here and he's growing you here? And then you're, you, you might speak with everybody else, but do you speak with her? You know, you know, so many of us know that we are crazy about, now some of y'all don't get angry with me right now, all right? Some of y'all are like, oh, oh man, don't quit on me yet. I know, let's lean in a little bit here, like, you know she's not communicating with God, you know she isn't letting his word light her path, you know she isn't, she doesn't walk with him in humbleness and gentleness and peace that only Jesus can can, can give you, and I'll say this, here's your warning, I've seen hundreds of marriages fail because they did not date the right person, and therefore they did not marry the wrong, they married the wrong person. Listen, it's a lot easier to run a three-legged race with an adult than a seven-year-old. It's a lot easier to do life and to do marriage with someone that has spiritual maturity other than someone who has an infant maturity or no maturity spiritually. You show me who you're dating and I'll show you how much you want to grow spiritually. Can I get an amen just so I can like, all right, thank you. Okay, ladies, can we breathe a little bit? We got through it. All right, stretch out a little bit. Because Paul doesn't stop there, does he? He says, husbands, all right, I just expect, I just think that he says it like that. Husbands, I'm still here, all right? Love your wife as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Right? How he loves you and leads you is not on what he can give you, not on how much possessions he can have, not my, how much money he can have in the bank account, not how tall he is, not how handsome he is, not how well-liked he is. His love for you is determined by how well he loves the Word of God and how much he loves the God of the Word. He won't love you right unless he loves the word of God right. And he won't love the word of God right unless he loves Jesus right. See, Jesus gave himself up for the church. And he cleansed the church by his word so they could be presented without a spot or a blemish or a wrinkle. So they could be holy and blameless. Husbands are supposed to give their self to their wives and they're supposed to lead them by the word of God so that the two of them can be blameless and spotless and stand before Jesus and be excited about the life that Jesus gave them and they can and Jesus can look at them and say well done there's going to come a day students let's be real here that we're going to be standing at the throne of God and my hope and prayer is that God will see us and he will see that we were made new in Jesus and that our life was covered by his word and his direction for us. And he blessed us with this marriage. 
See, we are to love our wives, as it says here, as we love ourselves. That tells me this, is that we should focus on our wives as much as we focus on ourselves. We should pray for our wives as much as we pray for ourselves. We should feed our wives encouragement and hope and love as much as we feed ourselves. And what does that tell me, ladies? Is that if he isn't being fed by the word now, he won't love you from the word later. If he isn't feeding himself in the love of God now and surrendering himself now to the feet of Jesus, how can he lead your family somewhere where he doesn't know where to go? If marriage is from God and it's for God, I would think that the person that I would need to follow would need to know how to have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Ladies, can I just be a little frank with you? As if I haven't already. Don't date someone now that you can't spiritually submit to in marriage later. Side note here, and I think some of you need to hear this, is that here's how authority goes in your life right now. Right now, the only male authority in your life is your dad. And if your dad is walking in likeness with Jesus... Follow him spiritually. He has spiritual authority of you. If he is not walking in spiritual likeness, follow your dad, respect your dad, but if he tries to go outside biblical principles, don't follow your dad, follow Jesus. But do not follow someone who is not your husband. Do not let someone control you who is not your husband. Do not let a frat boy, do not let some other boy lead you and direct you who is not your husband. Because if someone wants to have authority of you, they want to treat you like a pet. They don't want to look at you like a person. Because he won't lead you the right way. Ladies, don't date someone who doesn't lead their life right now. How well are they leading their own life? How well are they, they following Jesus right now? Don't follow somebody. Don't attach your life with someone who can't even control their stuff now. Because they won't be able to lead your family later. I want to tell you some telltale signs that I looked at through this scripture that I feel like God wanted me to highlight about what type of guy we should not enter into a marriage relationship with based off of this. I think you can tell first and foremost what type of guy it is by if he has a wrong heart. How can you tell if someone has the wrong heart? Matthew twelve thirty four says it this way, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks see there's two ways here i think you need to listen to the words that they do say right are they wrapped in biblical wisdom are they said with grace are they said with love are they problem solving or are they just problems right are they selfish or are they serving are they are they up or are they down right does he talk about jesus and his relationship with jesus with others because if he's not talking about Jesus with others, then he's not going to talk about Jesus with you in your marriage. Other way to listen is this, is listen for the words that he doesn't say. A man that knows that 
Your tongue is sharper than a two-edged sword that knows that wise people speak wise words, that knows God's words are the lamps unto His feet and the light unto His path, who doesn't spew venom but gently just mists honey in, in the room and tries to place it perfect and it's well thought out words and He doesn't add to the chaos but He leads through the chaos. Someone that doesn't say everything that is on His mind and how he feels about everything and is a critic over everything. Someone, you ready for this? Someone that when they leave the room, they leave an atmosphere of Jesus Christ with them. See, words he doesn't say are important to him because he knows that the words he does say should reflect Jesus. So wrong heart. Think also someone who has wrong service. It says Luke chapter 22, verse 24. This was the, a dispute among the disciples as to which of them they would be considered the greatest. They were asking Jesus, well, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus declared this. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you shall not be like them. Instead of the greatest among you shall be like the youngest, and the one who leads like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines, but I'm among you as one who serves. See, Jesus came into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. He didn't come as the warrior God that so many people wanted. They wanted Jesus to come and just wipe out all his sin and abolish everything. No, that's not what they needed at the time. He came as a serving God that everyone needed. He led by serving Ladies, listen, how well does your boyfriend or your future boyfriend serve others, not just for service, but for Jesus? Because how well they serve for Jesus illustrates how well they will serve you. Does he have a bent towards helping others and loving others and lifting up others and serving others? And if he doesn't, I promise this, is he's not going to serve you the way that you need him to, to serve and help and lift and lead you. See, he needs to outserve you. He needs to be bent towards serving you now to some degree, not to the full marriage degree, but he needs to have an idea about serving because serving is done out of the love of Jesus and for your love of others. They need to serve well. Last thing, ladies, for a guy not leading right is that you need to find somebody where his faith has been tested. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, the trials, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purified gold. Through your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you as much praise and glory and honor as the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This is where I believe many people jump the gun. We date before our faith has been truly tested. We get, we, we get into a relationship with a guy who loves Jesus, but his faith hasn't really been matured. It really hasn't been tested. See, just by me saying test, a lot of us cringe because we're like, well, I got test Thursday and I haven't studied for it. Amen? All right. Some of y'all need Jesus to walk on water on that test, right? You're like, yep, uh-huh. 
I hated school, but I'd go back to college. I wouldn't go back to school. Amen. All right. But tests are important because it exposes what you know about the subject at hand. You do your homework, you study, and then you test. See, you can tell the teachers, oh, I got this. You can tell all your friends, like, I got this, no problem. Like, I, I, I can ace this class. I want everybody to know, like, I'm the master at microeconomics or biology, all right? No big deal, no problem, right? I can get a master's in all this. Like, I'm a genius, right? But no one really knows where they are, where they are until they really have been tested. Same way goes for our faith, we can say all day long, I love Jesus. I care for Jesus. Jesus is the sustainer of my faith. Jesus is all that I am. And I'm a man of God. And man, I want to lead my life with God. And I want to do this. But it needs to be tested. See, some trials, some hard times, some struggles need to happen in our life because a faith that is not tested is a faith that is not trusted. Ladies, why don't you ask your boyfriend or your future boyfriend, maybe even your fiancé, right now, hey, what is something that you have grown in in the last couple months? What is a test that God has grown you through? How did you grow through it? How did it make you stronger in the presence of Jesus? How did it grow your faith? Because much like school, you don't test over the same material each week. You keep on going deeper and learning farther. See, the tests are different and they're challenging in their own way. But our faith, if it hasn't been through a test, I, I can't say an exact time, but I can say if your faith has been at the same level the last year, you haven't put yourself in a position to be tested. And ladies, if they are not willing to put themselves in a place to be tested, they're, they're not in a position to lead a family. If their, if their faith has not been tested then their faith cannot be trusted because you don't know where they're going to be at when hard times come. You don't know where they're going to be at if, if something financially breaks y'all or if something physically breaks y'all. You don't know where they're going to be at because their faith has not been tested. See, this world is a war. And ladies, I would literally just beg y'all to go into this world. It's a battlefield, as the Bible says. And I think that you need to be attached with someone who knows how to fight in Jesus' name. Amen? You need to follow someone whose faith has been tested. So as I finish up here, Ephesians 5.33 says it this way. This is, this is the formulas. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Listen, the way that we do this, this is the secret formula to marriage. It's simply this. 
Wives, we have to learn how to submit to Jesus, give everything that we can to Jesus, and we take that submission because of Jesus, and we know it. We put ourselves in a position with our husband to submit under his spiritual authority. Why don't you attach yourself to someone who has a good spiritual authority and a good leadership, and then you help, and you help produce, and you help make a family that's great and God-honoring, and wives, that's the secret formula is you love and respect him, and, and he's supposed to love you and respect you and that's the secret formula about marriage and husbands listen you are supposed to lead I think many marriages today fail because us boys don't know how to become men and leading a family a lot of us don't even know how to lead our own lives we got to learn how to lead for Jesus right now girls learn how to submit and God will make a way guys learn how to lead and God will make a healthy marriage and when this happens and you start leading and you start submitting you start growing you see that the ultimate goal for marriage is not to glorify yourselves but it's to glorify Jesus and guess what happens then you don't have that well so what now in marriage what are we supposed to do now marriage you know your roles and you know your goals let's pray Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your word. I just ask you to come tonight and to just encourage us with this great word of marriage. Obviously, this world has a misunderstanding of what marriage should look like if the divorce rate is up to 56% in divorce rate. Maybe some of us, we need to listen to your word and say, you know what, maybe I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not submitting to you right, God, right now. Like, I need to learn how to submit to you. I need to learn how to find value in you. I need to learn how to find strength in you. And you know what, I don't know if I've made that relationship with you. And tonight, you know what, I want to make that, that testimony. I want to be able to walk away tonight and say, you know what, I, I, I'm tired of wondering if I have a relationship with you tonight. And tonight, you know what, I want to, I want to ask forgiveness of my sins. I want to give my life to you. You, and I want to honor you with all that I am and all that I say and all that I do. And I want to make that proclamation tonight. And we're going to submit to you, God. And then if God, you do bless us with a man, help me learn how to submit to him. Help me learn how to help him. Help me learn how to do life with him. And so I can glorify you. Some of us fellows in here, you know, we're not even leading our own life right. And we should never attach ourselves to someone and say, you know what? I do someday want to lead you, but you're not even lead, uh, leading your own life right. Maybe some of us tonight, we need to say, you know what, what in my life do I need to give up and, and give over to Jesus? Lord, what ways can I learn how to lead right now and love right now? Is it, is it me separating with someone that I have attached my life with that I don't? Maybe it's just, I need, I'm not really diving into your word right now, Lord, and I'm not really growing in your word, Lord. Lord, I just ask you give them courage, you give them strength to maybe step out into this aisle and come and pray with our prayer team down front. Maybe, maybe not even pray with the prayer team, just come and just lay down at this, at this altar here and just be able to say, Jesus, you want to give you everything tonight. Lord, just give us strength. Lord, be with us.